You are listening to Trophy Horse with your hosts, Tricky Mick, Alex, I Yield to No One, Mark, and Troy. What's up, everybody? Oh, my God. It's been a while since we recorded. Uh, this isn't going to be a formal show, just so everybody knows. This is going to be what we're going to call the Trophy Horse Fireside Chat. Uh, we're going to be joined by Mark later in the show. He's currently at work and is in uh, on his way home to join us. But for the time being, we do have the man, the myth, and the legend. He is Alex. So is this starting a new series? Because you know if this is really good, people are going to be like, we want more of the Trophy Horse Fireside Chats. Uh, it, it It's a thought, uh, but we'll get into why we're doing a Fireside Chat, and this is not actually episode 300. Also, uh, Well, this, hold on. Uh, I also do want to point out that the Fireside Chat, the name, you know, was relevant during FDR's time when he did these uh, over the radio, but it's not necessarily as relevant now since a lot of people... Well, I was going to get into that after I introduced Troy. But I just want to make that the point people <laughs> Pod, Podcasts oh. are the new radio, so it's very relevant. <laughs> All right. So as Alex has alluded to, this is uh, a, the name of this episode or conversation is a reference to FDR. Uh, Alex, do you want to go a little bit more in detail with that? or? I mean, do we need to? I mean, wasn't, well, I mean, I mean wasn't it used like during and during the Great Depression? Uh, obviously, FDR was kind of he introduced his New Deal to help the U.S. get out of the Great Depression. So he kind of went uh, over the uh, to reach a greater audience, reach more Americans. He kind of turned to the radio and you know spoke to the American people directly uh, in what he called fireside chats. That is correct. All right, so excuse me. This is going to be. For the most part, an uncensored show. So if you hear me cough, choke like I just did, or you hear Alex's dog in the background, which I'm uh, sure you've heard on previous episodes. Uh, Athena is actually in her crate right now being a very good girl. It's almost her bedtime. <laughs> or uh, we don't have Yield with us. Unfortunately, Yield had to work, and that's why we're not recording episode 300. Who, um, who's going to make the candy wrapper sounds now? Exactly. Uh, first and foremost, uh, like this, like I said, this is gonna be an informal show. This, we're not gonna do news. We don't have an agenda. We're not gonna give you a trophy count. Uh, this is basically our way of reaching out to the fans who supported us and are waiting very patiently for us to record episode three hundred. We wanted to give you start this off by telling you uh, our soft plans for episode three hundred right now. Uh, currently, right now, it is planned. To be a live show recorded on April 9th. Um, it's going to be on Twitch, uh, TV, Twitch.tv backslash Moving Gamer. Uh, I have to work through all the kinks and try to get us, you know, make sure all our videos are in the right spots. There's a lot of behind the scenes. There's going to be giveaways. There's going to be contests and all that stuff. Um, but uh, for anybody who doesn't know, uh, the last time you heard from me or Troy... Um, it was before PAX East and we went to PAX East and we had a good time. Uh, Troy, you had a good time at PAX East? Yeah, it was great. Yep. And then all hell broke loose. <laughs> yes. Uh, and then I while think, it was at PAX East, oh, I'm sorry, go ahead. I was going to say, I think like literally like four hours after I flew out of Newark, uh, the blizzard hit. Uh, so I just barely got out of there in time without getting stuck at the airport. Yeah, uh, while I was at PAX East, I got informed that uh, when I was supposed to have that Monday off to come home and recover, uh, as Troy just said, uh, New York was hit with a snowstorm, in which from there I have worked 12, 12 13, or 14-hour shifts nonstop until the day of this recording. So, unfortunately, I wasn't able to record. Um, I told the guys to go ahead and record episode 300 without me uh they refused to do that because and i greatly appreciate that because episode 300 would not be the same without me and i'm not saying that to be ego driven or you know whatnot but i appreciate 
you know, my horseman brothers saying that because that meant a lot to me. Um, right, let me mute my computer here real quick because uh, I got sounds coming out everywhere. Uh, I'm actually just now sitting down and playing Horizon for the first time in two weeks. Uh, so let's talk about episode 300 real quick. Um, talk about what we've been doing. Um, but before we get actually get into episode 300, let's, because uh, Troy, when we do episode 300, we're really not going to focus on news and a lot of stuff like that. We're not gonna, it's not going to be like the traditional show. So a lot of people who don't know about our PAX experience, like what we what we did, what we saw. Yeah. So I figured I figured maybe we'll do that here. This way, they're not waiting until episode three hundred and one to actually hear uh, about our PAX experience. So. Uh, if you're ready, you can take the four, or I can take the four, however you want to do this. Uh, yeah, that's fine. So, I mean, uh, PAX East was the first time that I've been to the East Coast since I was a little boy. Um, so, like, when my family, when I was younger, my family, uh, my mom's family was is from uh, Syracuse, upstate New York. So, that was the last time when I was a little kid going to a family reunion. It's the last time I was ever on the East Coast. So, uh, uh, it was definitely an experience flying in. Uh, also... My first time ever being in New York City. That was pretty dope. Um, so Tricky insisted that I had to see uh, Times Square, <clears throat> which <laughs> which was cool. I mean, it was it was a lot like I expected it to be. I kind of, in my mind, had built it up to be almost like being on the Vegas Strip, you know, and it was a very similar situation. You know, you have people trying to sell you shit all everywhere. Um, and uh, basically it was like the Vegas strip. If the buildings were really close together and super fucking tall. Um, but it was, it was a cool experience. Uh, got to go wander around, uh, with the goddess, uh, checking out the sites, uh, seeing the, uh, the naked cowboy and the naked cowgirls. Uh, the thing that I thought was cool about that is that they have the little green squares on the sidewalk that that's painted where the, the sidewalk performers have to hang out inside of those squares. They can't go outside of those squares. Um, and we were there around lunchtime. So there were people in like the seats and stuff around, uh, this whole little area where these, these street performers are and they're all eating their lunches and kind of just hanging out watching. And it felt like they were a zoo. Like these were the animals that we were all watching perform. <laughs> it was, it was really interesting. Um, uh, yeah, but it was, it was cool. But, Go ahead. Well, I, 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 well, I was going to say, I wanted to touch base cause, uh, you, you mentioned about the squares that the performers have to stay in. And uh, do you remember why we told you they have to stay in those squares? Because they used to harass people, right? Well, not even that, but uh, there's so many performers inside the Times Square that there's, like, territories. It's like a gang. Like, you're not allowed to perform for these people. These are my people. These are like prostitutes. This is my corner. So is is their way of separating the territories? Like, okay, this is the West Coast. This is the East Coast. You guys stay on the East Coast. We stay on the West Coast. There will be no beef. And sometimes they cross cross those lines, and you know, Elmo goes into the naked cowboys territory, and you know that's bad news. Yeah, that's how Biggie got shot. They they take it they take it very serious out in Times Square. Uh, yeah, so I mean that was pretty cool. And then we kind of made our way over to uh, Rockefeller Plaza and. Went to the Nintendo store, which was pretty dope. Uh, we ran into uh, Jared, one of the fans of the show there, which was pretty cool getting to meet him in person. Um, he kind of showed up on it. I guess he took his lunch break at the time uh, to come down and, and meet up with us there. Uh, so that was pretty cool. Uh, the Nintendo store was really neat. I mean, it's technically, I guess, two stories, but like it takes up what would be three stories. Um, it was pretty cool. I really enjoyed that. Uh, so because of this detour though, we got out of the city, uh, later than we expected. We, we planned to get to Boston to uh, pick up our, uh, our badges, uh, that evening, Thursday evening. Um, so we didn't have to fight the crowds on Friday morning. Uh, so that didn't end up happening. We got there pretty late and about the time we got there, the cold front started rolling in. So I think the day before was like 70 degrees and the next morning uh, actually tied the coldest I had ever experienced in person because uh, the coldest before that was 11 degrees at the summit of Pikes Peak in uh, Colorado Springs. Uh, that morning it was 10 degrees when we got up and I was ill-prepared for such weather. Uh, coming from New Mexico, uh, also packed lightly. I, I had everything packed in, a, in basically into a backpack. So I had one hoodie and then, I, I, of course, I picked up an, another hoodie along the way because I got my Proven Gamer hoodie when I showed up at Triggy's house. Uh, but that's all I had was hoodies and athletic shoes, and uh, that was ill-prepared for the cold spell that hit. 
uh, in Boston while we were there. But it was pretty dope. Um, PAX East was was cool. Um, it was hella crowded. Um, I was fortunate enough to uh, – I've got pretty good navigational skills, and I kind of went through and uh, mapped out where I needed to be for all of my appointments ahead of time. So I wasn't necessarily, like, freaking out trying to find these places through all the crowds. Uh, so that worked out to my advantage, uh, just knowing where I was going to need to be. I saw a bunch of games, uh, some, uh, some PC, some PlayStation, uh, but a lot of pretty decent stuff. I mean, do we want to go into the details of all the games that I saw? Well, we can do, we can do that, uh, as we go. I mean, it's just, it's one of those things. I know, I know one burning question Alex is going to have though. What's Alex's burning question? Alex, do you want to ask the question or do you want me to ask for you? Uh, I'm assuming it's related to Crash Bandicoot. Yes, uh, because that I'm was sure that was probably, gonna... probably the first picture out of PAX East I saw from Tricky was Tricky standing in front of a Crash Bandicoot demo. I was gonna see. I was gonna. I, I was thinking Alice was gonna ask you, did you play Crash Bandicoot? I did not play Crash Bandicoot. Actually, for the majority of the show, I avoided the big uh, players' booths. Um, I did have one appointment that was actually in the PlayStation booth, but it was to see an, an indie game. Um, so for the most part, I, I avoided all the big name booths. I didn't really go to the Microsoft booth. I didn't really go to the Sony booth. I really didn't go, you know, to a lot of the big name booths, the, uh, uh, Blizzard stuff like that. Like I kind of stuck to the edges, played a lot of indie games, um, a lot of the smaller games, some VR stuff. Um, I got to, so I actually got to go play this uh, card game. It was kind of interesting because after I finished up with one of my appointments, uh, checking out the, um, Reservoir Dogs game that's coming to PC. Uh, we had a we had an interview with the developers and everything like that. Uh, immediately following that, Tricky said that he he found a game that that he wanted me to check out because he doesn't play card games, which I thought was interesting because I I don't play collector card games either. But I was like, all right, whatever. So you know, he leads me over to I had, this. I had to come up with something. So he leads me over to this booth, <laughs> and you know, I'm I'm introductions are made um i am taught the basics of this collector's card game by one of the guys who who created it um i don't have offhand the the name of the game uh tricky do you have that information anywhere no but okay. uh, i i will message somebody right now and get it for you okay cool so i'll continue with the story uh so anyway like i get the kind of the gist of of the game how it's played you know it's a it's a game that they kick-started um the the founder set you get like four different uh types of decks basically and they're all elemental and they all have different play styles and then they also had two brand new decks that were that were being expanded uh that they had available uh at the show uh so i sat down to play with a young lady um uh who was teaching me basically how to play this game and we used two of the new decks and went through the whole thing and it was it was a pretty decent game it was it was a lot of fun um you know just kind of working through it and kind of feeling it out. I think I picked it up pretty quickly. Uh, we made it all the way through a hand. I actually ended up winning. I don't know how, but I ended up winning. Uh, at which point in time, you know, the the young lady who I was playing with, she says, oh, do you mind if we get a picture for the booth? And I was like, oh, that's kind of weird. Okay, whatever, cool. You know, so so we all kind of get together and, and a picture snapped. And then so she says, uh, I'm going to call this one when you're playing against somebody and you don't know who you're playing against. And turned out it was Kalai. Uh, also a fan of the show uh, was and also a, a guest on a, on occasion uh, but she was working this booth um, and I had no idea when I was walking up like I saw her and she looked familiar but like I was like well Tricky's here everybody's here if I'm supposed to know this person like introductions would have been made so I just kind of went with it uh, and so it was you know I went through this entire game clueless that I was actually playing against Kalai the whole time um, but yeah it was pretty crazy and pretty dope um, really interesting experience kind of got ambushed there um, but yeah that was a lot of fun um, yeah I just I just messaged Kalai she says the game is called Ambria, A-M-B-R-Y-I-A. Yeah. So, yeah, it was a pretty good game, though. I mean, if, if you're into collector's card games, like, basically, you buy the, the box set, which is, like, the standard set, comes with four decks. Um, I think they're elemental. There's, like, a red, a yellow, a green, and a... I, I think blue or, or one other color, but anyway, uh, each of the game, each of the decks has like a, a play style attached to it. Like one's more aggressive, one's more defensive, you know, elemental stuff like that. And then they had a w black and a white deck, which were the ones that we played with there. That were they were there, you know, uh, uh, 
previewing and demoing at, at PAX. So I definitely want to give that game its its proper due. But the the real point of that whole thing was for me to be ambushed and, and introduced to Kalai in person, which was a really uh, neat uh, time. Also got to meet Kalai's husband as well, which I, I both of them I've played Overwatch with um, in the past. So it was pretty cool to be able to meet them in person. I actually ended up seeing them on the last day too because I was waiting in line for... Um, my Verzoom appointment, which is basically a VR exercise bike uh, game, uh, but the immediately across from that Verzoom booth was the uh, booth for the uh, Blaster Master Zero, which is a game, an indie game that's basically a, a remake of the original Blaster Master from the NES. Um, and they were at that booth, but I don't know if they noticed me there or not. But I did notice them standing there. Um, but yeah, it was it was a good time. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, sorry for the setup, but I I knew Kalai was going for like two, three weeks prior. <coughs> I gotta stop smoking. Yeah, you do. We uh, we've been saying that since episode like. Well, my first episode was like sixty, so I'm sure I said or sixty something. So I'm sure that I've been saying that since like episode ninety. Oh, uh, you should have seen all the shit I gave him the entire time about his smoking <laughs> when I was there. Um. I, I lost my train of thought now. You're talking about the ambush with Kalai. Oh yeah, I knew I knew like two or three weeks prior that she was going, and we had so many things set up. Uh, one idea, which I'm going to share. Um, hopefully, the goddess is not around me because she'll smack me again. Um, was nixed by the goddess. We were actually going to go out to dinner that Thursday night, and Kalai and Jim were going to come in. And act like crazy fans. Kalai was gonna go. Kalai was gonna go so far to say, "Hey, can you sign my breast?" Wow. And then, and I was gonna sign her breast and whatnot. And uh, you know, not like full out, like yeah, maybe her cleavage, like her or cleavage, yeah. And just, just to see how you reacted to like, what the hell is going on? That would be nuts. And that that idea got nixed because. Uh, the goddess wasn't too happy with me signing another woman's cleavage. Man. And on the subject of meeting fans, uh, we missed out on the opportunity to meet JT. Uh, he was at work, and we couldn't get across town. Like I said, we left the city already way later than we needed to. Uh, so, unfortunately, I didn't get a chance to meet him. I knew he wanted us to, to come by and see him at work, and I apologize that we didn't get that opportunity. Perhaps some other time I will be in the neighborhood, and we'll be able to meet. Yeah. The whole, the whole idea with Times Square was my idea was to bring you into Times Square, and, you know, let you walk around for like five, ten minutes and then take off. Well, it we, we got a late start because of some personal things in my life. And then we got to the city and then w somehow we went from Times Square over to the Nintendo store, which I'm happy we went to the Nintendo store because I actually got the uh, Breath of the Wild Master Edition, which I couldn't find anywhere else. Uh, and ironically, Jared got one, too, which yeah. he turned around and said he was going to flip on eBay. Yep. Uh, but... So, uh, well, I guess the the news is out now. Yeah. I guess I kind of just gave gave it away. Uh, yes, I owned a Nintendo Switch. Um, I bought one. The the jig, <sighs> the jig is up. The news is out. More yeah, more, I, more consoles is better than less consoles. I mean, not and, the, not and, these days. Like I barely have enough time to devote to playing a bunch of games on the PlayStation. Um. Well, I, I tell you one thing. The Switch was nice to play in my downtime at work, which was not much at all. Um, so, I mean, it, that, it, I still that feel Zelda, the same though. way. I, you know what? <laughs> let me tell you about that Zelda. Um, I, I, okay, let me, let me just finish my thought real quick. The Switch is exactly the way I thought it was. It, to me, it's still a gimmick system. I mean, it's, it's good. It, it works. I have... Uh, I, I'm, not, I'm not having issues like you are right now with the Joy-Cons, um, but Zelda, like, what'd you do to me? Like, that, it, it doesn't seem, it doesn't seem like a Zelda game to me. That Zelda seems like amazing. I, I don't, I, I, see, I think everybody's overhyping it. I, like, I know you like it, I know Kalai likes it. And I know the other people that are playing think it's like the best game ever. Some people are saying it's better than Horizon. Some people are saying it's better than The Last of Us. I can't go down that path. I can't. I mean, I, mean, I think as far as Zelda games go, people are placed, used to playing Zelda games that are kind of on this linear track where you kind of have this sense of an open world, but yet you're still being led through this story. Whereas this, like I hear you can do the temple or the dungeons in any order, 
um, and you're just free to explore the world. It's, it's, it's a true open-world Zelda game, so... You don't even have that. to do the dungeons. <clears throat> you can you can go... So from o- unlocking the first part of the map, uh, you can go straight to Hyrule Castle and fight and potentially beat Ganon if you have the skills. Uh, I think the speed run right now is like 56 minutes from start to finish. Uh, like, you don't have to go to the dungeons. You don't have to do the dungeons. You can go... Like, the, the very first uh, story mission that unlocks after you've kind of done the first little part is... Uh, is go beat Ganon. Defeat Ganon. Like, that's it. <laughs> and then you you kind of discover everything else as you go through the map. And it's it's just a huge open world. There's always stuff to, to kind of discover and explore. I mean, it's, I, I'm thinking it's pretty amazing. I mean, I, I don't want to be hyperbolic. I'm like, oh, my God, it's the best game ever. Or, oh, my God, it's better than this or better than that. But it, it is an amazing game, and I'm, I'm loving every minute that I'm spending with it. My, my biggest problem with the game, and I guess it's what's sour in my experience, is the fact of the breakable weapons. Like, that, to me, is just... It's it, it, to me, it's not game breaking, but it really takes you out of it because like you, you're you're trying to get to one place and like you run into a, a bunch of enemies. And OK, you got to take the enemies down and then your sword breaks and then you have to run. I usually don't and, like engage enemies on the overworld unless I absolutely have to. Like I'm usually and, avoiding and conflict or running away. That's the same thing Kali said. Kali said just don't get into conflict. Yeah. Uh, like I, I understand that, but. And then, uh, I don't want to spoil anything for you, but to me, this is not a spoiler. Um, just out of curiosity, because of the breakable weapons, I googled about the Master Sword. Does the Master Sword break? I don't need to hear and... this. I don't want to know. <laughs> okay, stop right then now. I'm gonna, then I'm going to stop that right there. But, like, I, I even, like, how far have you gotten in the game? Uh, not very far story-wise. Like, I've have spent do- 40 hours the in the game. Defined- have you done any Divine Beast yet? No. Nope. Okay. Damn it. I've been spending all my time exploring, uh, finding the, uh, what do you call them? The, the shrines. Shrines, and, I mean, like, yeah. I think I just left the, the fucking, like, technology center on the tower, you know? Like, I'm on my way back to Impa. Like, that's where I'm at. Uh, story wise, so you you got to the uh, the second technology one, or you went to the first one? So I went to Impa. She sent me to the technology place, so I went there. Uh, unlocked okay, I have, the basic. I haven't there yet. Oh, okay, see, like this is the thing. You can do it in any any order, basically. So there's no telling. Like, like it's not linear. So like your experience is completely different than my experience, and and a lot of right. I, that is the like, reason I, why it's such a great game is because it is like. <laughs> There's so many different ways to come at it, and it almost like I, I I heard there was a story written on one of the websites, either GameSpot or Kotaku or something like that, or or uh, IGN saying that like Breath of the Wild is the best multiplayer game to come out in a long time, and it's not multiplayer in that multiple people get to play together, but that it, this is the kind of game that you get together with your friends and you kind of bullshit and like go over things, and and games don't come around that often that do this, where you can get into huge conversations and and stuff about how you went about a certain thing, because in most games anymore, it's like, well, this is the way to do it. You may have one or two different options, but this is the way it's done, this is the order that things are done, and this game completely takes all that and puts it on its head. I mean, it's kind of yeah. like that's a, people have been drawing similarities between Horizon and, and The Legend of Zelda: Breath of the Wild for weeks now, but I mean that's kind of one of the ways that Zelda is kind of taken uh, inspiration from other games is that like in Horizon you don't have to do the story; you can do side missions and errands and stuff before you do the main missions, and doing that actually helps you become stronger and better and, and leveled up, so that makes doing the main missions later on much easier. Same way with Zelda, where if Troy, you know, out finding all the shrines, there's 120 of them, I believe, and, you know, if you get all the shrines and get better weaponry or get better armor or whatever, if you get more hearts and stamina, then you're more equipped to take on the Divine Beast or later on Ganon. So it, 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 in that way, it, it hel- it's, it's a lot, like, the two are very similar um, in that you can do it in any order and you're kind of just free to roam around. Like I like I I don't want anybody to think that like what I'm saying right now that like Zelda is a bad game because there's no way shape or form do I feel like it's a it's a bad game. I just to me like being the the Zelda fan that I am, I guess I, I prefer a more linear Zelda game. And the fact that now it's open world and they're introducing breakable weapons and you know like to me that it's. I find it more frustrating than anything, but 
as frustrated as I get, I still want to play it. Yeah, it's pretty and amazing. I, 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 I've never said, oh, I, I can't do this no more. Like, I die and I'm frustrated. I'm like, mother. Mm. But I go right back into it. You die a lot in and, this game, too. <laughs> yeah, you die a lot. Um, but let's get back to PAX. Um, some things that we uh, that I saw at PAX, uh, I'm still uh, legally not allowed to talk about. I'm still under NDAs and embargoes and stuff like that. Uh, the one thing that I did, um, I was able to talk about, which I personally didn't talk about, but I sent the, the information over to the guys for episode 299, was... Uh, the new female necromancer from Diablo 3. Uh, that will be coming to consoles. I don't know if that was mentioned on 299. Um, so go check that out. All the videos are there. Uh, if you're a Diablo 3 fan, uh, they say there is a lot more stuff coming. Um, I did ask some other questions, which I was told I wasn't allowed to repeat. Uh, but all that information is coming soon. Uh, overall, I mean... I had fun at PAX, but the, the the problem with PAX for me is, to me, it's it's work. It's not, you know, it, I don't get much free time to go roam the floor and to go explore and whatnot. I'm, you know, I'm running from this place to that place. And uh, in this case, I was trying to organize you. I was trying to organize the goddess. I was trying to organize Luke, uh, get myself to places. Uh, so, it, like, one of these years, I just want to go to PAX and just walk the floor. I don't want to go there to work, which I, I may have to do one of these years. I don't know. Um, I just had a train of thought, too, and I just lost it. So all the games that I got to see, I basically had appointments for. There was only one game that I got to see that wasn't an appointment that I had scheduled beforehand uh, because I was just walking through uh, the floor and on actually on my way to try and find an appointment for a game that I want to actually kind of talk about here in a little bit. But so I had to go, you know, find out where the appointment was. It was like an hour ahead of time. And I wanted to make sure like, okay, this is the booth I need to be at at this time. So when I was on my way through this guy, one of the guys at one of the booths noticed my media badge. And so he's like, Hey, you know, you want to come try out this game? And I was like, well, I got, you know, I got somewhere to be right now. And he's like, okay, well, you know, swing back by, or, you know, here's, here's my card, text me and we can set up an appointment. And I was like, cool. So I went and found where the booth was at. And I was like, okay, well, I've still got like 45 minutes before this meeting so i went back to this guy's booth and you know stood there and this is one of the interesting experiences of pax is that you know like if you got a media badge like you almost have the the run of the land because uh, i just showed up at this guy's booth and you know he sees me standing there and he's like hey you do have time now i was like yeah i do uh so there was i mean there was kids lined up to play this game it was a vr game um and uh yeah, so like he's got people lined up, and he's like, "Okay, well, as soon as this kid's done with the the game, you know, I'll I'll uh, I'll put you on." So you know, the kid finished up his demo or whatever, and then the kid right behind him was already reaching for the VR headset, and the guy's like, "No, no, this guy here's gonna to, to play the game," which I kind of felt like a dick uh, because you know it's like, man, these guys have been sitting here waiting in line forever. Uh, the name of the game was Dick Wild, uh, which is a VR game. It's basically like hillbilly shooting gallery. Um, so like you're sitting there, uh, with your, uh, so it's, it's going to be on all VR platforms, uh, the Oculus Rift, the, uh, HTC Vive and the PlayStation VR. Um, it's out March 30th on all VR platforms, except I think the, the PlayStation VR is coming out in May. Uh, but so yeah, it was kind of crazy. Cause like I sit there and, and just having this, this media badge, like gave me access to skip, basically skip the line. You know, all these kids were waiting. I was like, I've kind of felt like a dick. I'm like, I'm sorry. You know, I know you guys are waiting in line. I'm just going to play this real quick. You know, and I was real quick with it. I, I died pretty damn quick, you know? And I was like, yeah, you know, thanks for your time. You know, I kind of felt like a dick. I mean, I didn't want to be that guy, but you know, at the same time I was that guy. Um, I, you know, it's, it's kind of a weird situation, you know, it's like, uh, it, it was, I mean, it was pretty cool though. Oh, but anyway, I was on my way to this other appointment for this game called Yonder. Uh, this is a this is a game that I think people who play PlayStation should pay attention to. It's uh, when I was playing it, uh, actually having played hours and hours of Zelda before that, because I've played it on the flight there and and everything like that. Uh, this really reminded me of Zelda. The game's called Yonder. You're basically this kid who uh, I I think he crashes on on this landmass or whatever. Um, he uh, he wakes up and then you, you basically it. Uh, it's an open world. You're kind of uh, wandering around, meeting people, NPCs and stuff. Um, it's very similar to, uh, mechanically, it's very similar to like a Harvest Moon or an Animal Crossing game um, or even like the new Stardew Valley game that, that just came out. Basically, you go through and you like harvest things and, and plant things. And basically, you're just trying to accumulate enough stuff to be able to, to make your way uh, home. 
Um, but it, it was really charming art style and, and really cute. Um, that it's just just really good game all around. There is no combat though, so definitely don't you know go into it thinking that it's Zelda where you're going to be having direct combat. It's not like that. It's definitely closer to a Harvest Moon uh, type of thing, but it does definitely have that Zelda aesthetic. And I even mentioned to the developer when I was talking to her about it, and she's like, "Well, I guess if I'm going to be compared to anybody, I might as well be compared to the best." Uh, but it's definitely a cool game uh, that that is coming to the PlayStation, so I, I definitely recommend people check that out. All right, I just want to put a pause on that real quick because uh, Alex uh, has to go to work early, so he's going to be leaving us soon. Uh, but, Alex, you said you wanted to talk about Horizon before you leave. You could have flowed a little bit more naturally into it than that. <laughs> uh, well, like I said, this is an informal show, so, like, I can't, like, that whole segue that I normally would have just, like, patched out of the show to make it flow. I don't know. This is behind the scenes. Everybody's going to see what we can do. Talk to us about Horizon, Alex. So, for those, I don't think I had earned the Platinum the last time we recorded a show, but I've earned the Platinum in Horizon, second uh, after Mark and JT, uh, and I gotta say that I, you know, what I tell most people is that I feel the same way, or I felt the same way about that game at the end as I did two hours into it. Uh, my feelings never changed, and I, I, I feel like, you know, and, and Mark and I actually got together and talked about the game. We intended to, to record spoilers, and we ended up deciding we'd wait for somebody else to, to come aboard, and we'd have more people to talk about it with, and then proceeded to talk about the game for like an hour, just on Skype, unrecorded. I don't know if Tricky likes to hear that, but... Uh, that, that, that does anger me just a slight bit. Well, we can, we can recreate it. Um, you'd like to have more people oh, for an episode of PG Spoilers anyway. Wait a second. You, you can recreate it, but we can't recreate the, the fame... Tomb Raider episode that I keep getting lambasted for. Of course. Oh, that's only partially me. That's also Yield, too, so I can't be completely blamed for it. Uh, no, but we one of the things we talked about was that, you know, Horizon is so good that it elevates Guerrilla Games to a level that's basically on, like, on Naughty Dog's level. Because before, like, the Killzone games are really good. They're really well made. They're fun. But they just don't have that something special to them. Um... You know, they were positioned, like, Killzone 2 was like, oh my god, it's a Halo killer, that's PlayStation's Halo. It, you know, even as good as those games were, they, you know, they were kind of mired in controversy, at least Killzone 2 was. But th it never felt like Guerrilla Games, you could put them on a pedestal as high as the best developers that Sony has. And I feel like with Horizon, now you can, because Horizon is one of the best games that I've played in the 27 years I've been playing games. I'll say it, it is one of my favorite games that's ever been made, um... I know the tricky had a little issues with the combat, which he explained on the on the uh, the last show that he recorded. Was that two shows ago? Yeah, probably. You, I'm playing Horizon currently as we speak. Do you, I mean, do you still feel the do you still feel the same way about it? Yeah, like okay, not spoily. Uh, right now, I'm uh, I'm in a section where I'm having to take down a corruptor. And I literally just got finished taking down everybody around it, including some other corrupted machines. And now, like, I don't even want to engage this corruptor right now because I know that I'm about to get my ass kicked. Well, part of Horizon it's, isn't necessarily going in full bore. I mean, there, there's... No, no, no. I've, ta I've taken everything out stealthfully. No, like, no, but, this corruptor doesn't even know I'm there right now. But, I mean, you can find places... Because there's an enemy called the Rockbreaker later on. Which is the hardest yeah, enemy I, I, to defeat in the game, I, by the way. I just ran I ran past them. But, I mean, like, you can find spots in the land, like, you can use the terrain to your advantage to where it can basically protect you, act as defend, like natural defenses where you're not completely out in the open and fighting against these machines. Because if you try to go toe-to-toe -to -toe with those biggest machines, you're going to get annihilated. Well, that's what's happening to me. That's why I, that's why I have the issues with the combat. Well, I mean, that seems like less of an issue with the game, more of a an issue with the way you're playing. Because I never had any issues like that. And Mark, I, from talking to Mark about it, I don't think he had issues with it either. Well, I, I think it's also because once I've gotten the game, like that first couple days I played heavily. Uh, but then Ghost Recon came out and I kind of went into that a little bit. Uh, and then set, decided to put that on hold until I finished Horizon. And then the last three weeks has just been very hectic for me. Where this is the first time I'm picking up Horizon in three weeks, so it could it could be just one of those things where like I'm not like I'm not fully into it right now. I'm not looking and exploring to see the terrain that you're talking about. 
So, I mean, like, so I wrote uh, the review, the Proven Gamer review for Horizon. You can go read it if you like. Uh, and you, what you'll notice is that I'm, I'm I, uh, I throw the game a lot of praise. In fact, there's not a lot of negative that I say. Uh, I believe one of the few negative things that I say is tied to um, a loose end in the story that they don't necessarily finish up at the end of Horizon. Uh, and Mark and I kind of talked about that a little bit to where, you know, hey, it's it, it's maybe it's an answer we'll get, you know, possibly down the road. Um, if there is a sequel, uh, there is actually uh, an expansion to the story announced, so maybe we'll learn about the the answer to that in the story in the uh, the expansion. Uh, but uh, for me, like Horizon is is. You know, I almost say, like, I wonder if it's, like, as much as I like The Last of Us, do I like Horizon more? Um, it's that it, it's to that level for me, because it's not just a fun game. It's not just a great world to explore. Like, Aloy herself is an amazing character. And, like, everything about that game, like, the small details, like, the moonlight following you as you run along a river, just, like, the sound and, like... It's just all of it just feeds into this incredible experience, and the story like starts off and it just gets to a place where you never expected. You could never imagine in a thousand years, but it's something that you like. I am totally okay with this. Like the the game is just to me, it delivered on what it promised. It it you know as much hype as the game had, it delivered, and it was even beyond that. So to me, like. It does not get much better than Horizon. People, you know, I know people love Zelda, and people are talking, you know, saying great things about Zelda, and, you know, that's fine. Zelda is a great game. You know, Nintendo does first party really well, and I don't doubt that Zelda Breath of the Wild is one of the best games that's ever been made. But I don't think that people should sell Horizon short, because to me, like, I I say this in the review, is that Horizon's got a lot of flash and edge, because, quite frankly, people couldn't stop talking about the fact that there were mechanical dinosaurs in there. Or or mechanic or machines that took inspiration from from dinosaurs, um, but the the at the end of the day, the game is more substance and heart than anything. Like the characters are fantastic, the story is great, the where you end up is great. Um, it's just a fantastic experience that I want to champion, and I want to make sure the Guerrilla Games gets the credit. I mean, people have been lauding the game since it came out, but I, I want people to understand that yes, Zelda's really good, but to me, this this game shows why Sony is so beloved within the, the video game world among gamers because Sony's first-party games are top-notch quality. And for my money, I'd rather have Sony's first-party games than Nintendo's because not only do you get the gameplay, but you also get the story. Like, unforgettable stories that you just don't get from Nintendo games. You know, maybe Breath of the Wild has a great story, uh, or maybe it's just more gameplay than, like, just more polished gameplay than anything. But to me, like... I, if, if, if Zelda has, like, a better game or a better story than Horizon, I would be surprised. Because I, I, don't know why it, I don't know why it has to be a competition. I mean, they're both amazing I mean, games that came out at the amazing time. I mean, it, it, great games are great games no matter where they're at. And for my money, I'll, I'll buy them wherever they're at. If it's on Nintendo, I'll buy them on Nintendo. If it's on Microsoft, I'll buy it on Microsoft. If it's on Sony, I'll buy it on Sony. I want to play all the great games, and they're all great games. We have a glut of amazing games that have come out in the last, like, month or two. It's kind of amazing, and, and it kind of sucks because I don't have enough money or time to play all of them. Yeah, I mean, like, so I don't mean to compare the two, and I got a little bit... Too much into too much of a comparison there, but I you know I want to make sure because a lot of because some people have said you know well, this game sounds a lot like Zelda. One of the things that I mentioned in my review is that what's so great is that Guerrilla Games took a lot of inspiration from a lot of other games, be it Assassin's Creed, be it Batman Arkham Asylum, be it Shadow of the Colossus. But the thing great thing about that game is it never loses its sense of originality. Um, it never feels like anything other than its own game. It doesn't feel like a copycat. So when people say that. Oh, this is a lot like Zelda. Like, it's like, well, no, Horizons is its own game. Like, it's its own amazing experience. You don't have to compare it to Zelda at every level. Um, so, I mean, that's that's kind of why I, I went off I think that. I've heard it compared to Far Cry more than I have Zelda. Like, other than the setting and, and kind of the, the idea behind it, I think, uh, gameplay-wise, I think I've heard it more compared to Far Cry. Like, it's a third-person Far Cry-style game. But, I mean, that there are no original ideas anywhere. I mean, everything cribs from something else, and it's just how they put all those disparate pieces together. And Horizon nailed it, you know? So, I mean, you got to give them credit for that. But, I mean, yeah, I mean, nothing anymore ever is original just because everything has been 
done somewhere some other time but you know the ability to put it all together and make something that's that's amazing out of it it sounds like something that horizon's done i look forward to playing it you know i mean it it it, it i think it probably deserves every bit of the the praise that it's gotten um and yeah i mean i, I look forward to playing it but i mean uh, uh, zelda's the same way like they crib a bunch of stuff from a bunch of different kinds of games and, and you know it all comes together uh into a great package uh i mean like i said we've got a bunch of games that have kind of done that recently i think well, Mass Effect Andromeda is the only one that I know that's come out recently that's kind of not necessarily lived up to expectations. Like, we've had a glut of kind of amazing games and also a, a resurgence of Japanese games. You got, you know, uh, Nier Automata and Zelda and uh, Neo and all these other Japanese games. It's, it's almost like there's a resurgence of Japanese uh, developers, which is also really cool. Yeah, and I, like, I, I kind of want to, you know, give a shout-out to Sony especially. I know this isn't a typical, like... Our normal episode, but I do want to say that to me, Horizon is one of those games that you look at Sony and it's like they have. Sometimes people forget, like they have built up this amazing uh, group of first-party studios, uh, Naughty Dog included in that, and Media Molecule. Uh, is Sucker Punch part of that now too? I think they're a second, uh, uh, not first-party, second-party. Like they they're doing stuff exclusively for Sony, but they're not actually Sony-owned. Sure. Tricky, could you look that up? Because I swear I, that they yeah, purchased I, them a couple years ago. I no, I I believe so. Uh, Sucker Punch is still, uh, for lack of better terms, independent. I don't think they are are part of the Sony family. I'm, I'm gonna look it up right now. But I mean, like I I like that Sony allows Guerrilla Games and the Uncharted's because generation to generation, you look at like Naughty Dog and you look at Insomniac and you look at Sucker Punch. Every generation, they introduce a new IP. And I like the fact that her, that her uh, the Guerrilla Games was allowed to go out there. Oh and no, do they something. did. Sorry, that you were right. Yeah. Sony acquired them you, in 2011. Boom. I yes. was. You know what I was thinking of? Insomniac. I always get those two mixed up. Yeah, Insomniac that, has yeah, Insomniac that, has always stayed independent. Um, but no, I, I like the fact that Sony's first party studios are not only like having all those great minds together allows them to share technology and make even better games, which is great. But I like that Sony allows them to not just do sequels, but to because you know people could you know maybe people want another Killzone, but then we wouldn't have gotten Horizon. Like I like the fact that Sony allows its studios to take big risks and to not just do the same thing every time again and again. Because uh, I definitely think that's something that Nintendo, despite you know how no matter how great games uh, how great the games they make. They kind of have been knocked in recent years for making the same games over and over again, and I just want to appreciate Sony for make allowing its uh, developers to go out there and just make the games they want to make and just make these incredible experiences, you know, that aren't necessarily sequels. Um, so that's I mean that's a huge part of what drew me to Horizon was the fact that this is being made by Guerrilla Games. This is not Killzone. This looks absolutely amazing. It's completely different. So. Uh, yeah, if you want to go read my review of Horizon, it's it's a lot of good. Uh, there's not much bad to say about Horizon. Um, so uh, it's on ProofingGamer.com if you'd like to go read it. But yeah, uh, I, Troy, I would love for you to finish Horizon so we could chat about it. But uh, you know, definitely once you get done with Zelda, player and Tricky, yeah. you, finish, you fucking finish Horizon. Don't sit here. I'm playing it right now. Finish. I definitely look forward platinum. to playing it. And I definitely agree with all your sentiment about the uh, the Sony first party exclusives and everything like that. I think they've been super on point lately. Um, you know, Microsoft they they make decent games, but also all of their big names are just rehashes of the old stuff. The, the Halos, the the Gears of War. Um, I think Forza is probably one of the strongest first party games for for Microsoft right now. Uh, it's kind of on fire, but also Sony hasn't had anything that even comes close to that. I mean, uh, Drive Club. Once again, you know, tricky. Let me play Drive Club. Let me play it in VR. I, it was it was I a was fun game. Get, I, I was gonna get to that, <laughs> but it definitely does not stand up to Forza uh, and even Gran Turismo. But Gran Turismo hasn't been around for so long, and I mean, I, I got to actually watch a little bit of the new Gran Turismo Sport game at PAX East. Uh, it looks okay. 
Um, I'd, I'd like to get my hands on it, but for my money right now, Forza is kind of the king of the racing game genre. Uh, they have Forza Motorsport, which takes over what Gran Turismo does with the uh, the simulation driving, and they do an amazing job with that. But then they also have the Forza Horizon games, which are almost like a hybrid between a simulation game and like a, a Need for Speed game. So it's like the best of both worlds. Uh, they're on fire with that. But Sony's definitely you know been on fire with their first party games, uh, even the deals that they made for exclusives. Uh, a lot of the Japanese developers that just have no interest in making games for uh for microsoft which has just a, been a huge benefit because like i said i've named off a bunch of these games neo near um you know games like that that have come out recently that are on sony exclusively only because these developers don't even really really care to develop games for a microsoft platform because the microsoft platform is not even uh, a contender in japan um so you know they're they're making games for their audiences and their audiences just aren't on microsoft platform um, so yeah, I mean, definitely, I, I agree with everything you said about Sony's first party and, and, and exclusive games. They've been super on fire lately. I think they, they had a year or so where they kind of lagged behind, uh, Sony was definitely kind of, uh, relying on the third parties, um, as a crutch, it seemed like for a little while. Uh, but then, uh, it felt like Microsoft was, was coming out, you know, they had, uh, um, what was it? The, uh. uh freaking Insomniac game that they had, <laughs> you're just talking about Insomniac. Sun, Sunset Overdrive. Sunset Overdrive, you know, a lot of like really inventive new games. And I mean, they've got some good indie games coming out. Uh, Cuphead and stuff like that look look really dope. Uh, but like, it seems like Sony just kind of hit the gas and they've they've been coming out with hit after hit, whereas Microsoft has been uh, canceling a lot of the, the most anticipated games that, that they've had uh, announced. So yeah, I mean, Sony's on fire for sure. Well, okay. I, w- I want to go back to Drive Club for a second. Okay. My point. My point of making you uh, or of letting you play Drive Club in VR was not to say that Drive Club was better than uh, Forza or Gran Turismo. That was never my point. I wanted to know if the VR made Drive Club a better game for you. Okay, so I didn't play it without the VR. I did like the VR uh, for sure. Like, I I think that's a great way to play a racing game. Uh, actually, I, I didn't find it until the very literally the very last day of PAX East, and like. After the show floor had technically closed, I was walking towards the exit to meet up with you guys in the parking lot, and uh, uh, there was a booth that I completely had missed because it was probably it was it was in among all of the uh, the big names that I kind of avoided. Uh, but they had a a rig set up where it was. Uh, the car, you've probably seen videos of it on Facebook where it's it's a car setup, so it's got the steering wheel, it's got the seat and everything like that, and it it's uh, pneumatic, so it rocks with the, the game, and you're wearing a VR headset. It's, it, it, the game they were playing was uh, um, Project Cars, but like okay. it's basically a car setup where you're driving and like you're wearing the VR headset, and you can feel the turns and everything like that, and I'm really, really pissed off that I missed out on trying that thing out because I think that would have been definitely where it's at. Because uh, the biggest issue I had with playing VR, uh, Drive Club VR, was when you get into situations where like you're spinning out or whatever, and your body expects to feel Doesn't that, make. and it doesn't feel that, and that kind of makes you a little queasy, especially when you you know you don't play VR a whole lot. So there's certain instances where your body's expecting a certain motion, and it doesn't feel that motion, and that causes a crazy disconnect in your brain. Um, so like having a platform like this, of course, I don't even know how much this this setup would have costed, but that would be dope as hell to have to play VR with a rocking you know uh, platform that basically like makes the turns and everything feel like they're real. Uh, I really really upset I didn't get to try that out. Um, but the, yeah, no. the best the best part about watching Troy play in Drive Club VR was uh, he was playing the game and he bumped into the car to his left and he physically turned his head to the left, looked at the car and said, sorry, dude. <laughs> yeah, it's immersion, man, for sure. Um, yeah, it, it was cool. And I mean, I, I, I got plenty of time to play uh, VR games of all types th- during the course. That was the only time I actually played any PlayStation VR. But then uh, we got to do a bunch of stuff with the uh, Oculus Rift and the uh, the uh, HTC Vive uh, in a couple of the meetings uh, that were pretty dope. Uh, VR is pretty cool, uh, for sure. Uh, the PlayStation one, uh, the the thing that kind of took me out of it a little bit was the resolution. I mean, the resolution wasn't there, but it's, it's, a, it's just the way the the technology it's a limitation of the technology so you get that screen door effect and and things aren't nearly as crisp as they would be if you're playing them on your television screen which which kind of sucks but but then you get the extra immersion of being able to like look into corners and stuff like that so it's kind of a trade-off i really did enjoy uh playing in vr though uh but yeah uh, drive club still sucks all right now before alex takes off i i want to jump out of vr for a second and jump into reality because there is a funny story 
that I want Troy to tell. Uh, something he experienced in Boston, which had us all laughing. And there was even, I even posted a picture uh, saying you had to be there to understand. Uh, uh, yeah. The, uh, the uh, what do you call it? The freaking uh, wheelchair. Wheelchair incident. Yeah. So this was crazy. So we're leaving, uh, we're leaving the convention center on, I think it was Friday night or Saturday night. I think it was maybe Saturday night. Um, and it was snowing. Like, I mean, there, there was a snowstorm that rolled through Boston. Uh, and there was actually, it must've been Friday night, but either way, like it was snowing. It had been snowing all day. So there's snow on the ground. There's snow in the air. It's cold as fuck. Uh, and we're, uh, leaving the convention center and we're going up and the navigation wants us to, uh, get off the interstate and kind of cut through Boston to, to catch another interstate. We don't know what the circumstances were. So we're on the surface streets. We had just exited off the interstate and we're making a turn to go towards downtown Boston. And out of the corner of my eye, I see this uh, this wheelchair, and this dude is just like going and going and going. But he's not like on the sidewalk; he's literally in the street. And he's not only in the street; he's getting into the left hand turn lane in the in the street, like he is trying to get onto the on ramp onto the interstate, which was the craziest <laughs> thing ever. I'm like, what the. F- this is going on. I was like, this dude in this wheelchair in the middle of the snow is trying to get on the interstate. Uh, and I'm like freaking out. I'm like, what the hell is with this town? And then so like I'm trying to tell them this story and they're like, because they're like, oh, like was he just like there? I'm like, no, he was in the street. Like he was literally trying to get onto the interstate in his wheelchair. And about three <laughs> blocks later, we're stopped at a red light. And then here comes this other wheelchair that's crossing the street at the crosswalk. And I'm like, and they're like, oh, is that him? I was like, no, that's another wheelchair. I was like, what the fuck is it with this town in wheelchairs? <laughs> like, everywhere I look, there's some weirdo on a wheelchair just running through the snow. Come to find out we're, like, three blocks away from a hospital. I'm like, are these people, like, trying to escape from the hospital? Like, what the hell is going on? I was just totally freaked out by this. Uh, all these wheelchairs everywhere. And then the one that was, like, literally trying to get on the on-ramp to the interstate was this just the craziest thing. That It was just so funny because out of nowhere, like, we're having a conversation. Out of nowhere, Troy goes, what the fuck? And you're like, what? And he's like, this dude in the wheelchair is in the street. I'm like, what? Like, we're all trying to figure it out. Yeah. And then I, I guess Luke said, "What? you know, is there a hospital nearby? And we drove by a hospital. Yeah, it was nuts. It was crazy. So, yeah, it was like the whole thing was just like this, like, spate of wheelchairs. And then, like, yeah, so every time we'd see a wheelchair, it's like, oh, my God, what the hell is with, the, with this town with wheelchairs? It was also funny, too, because I was waiting in line for a panel, and there was uh, somebody who was in the front uh, in a wheelchair, and they were able to go into the panel early. And, and some of the panels, like you're talking hundreds of people that are waiting in line for these panels, and this guy got to go in early. And I was like, next year I'm cosplaying as a guy in a wheelchair so I can get into the panels early. <laughs> All right, Alex, I know you got to take off, buddy, because I know you got to go to work. Yes, I'm going to go get some sleep. And if you want this audio tonight, then you need to let me go. I appreciate the audio tonight. All right, well, fine. I will. Hey, I want to say goodbye to the listeners and thank you to Troy for se- for telling that anecdote as well as uh, Tales from the Paxlands. No doubt. Tales from the Paxlands. All right. So uh, we'll see you on episode 300, Alex. Yeah. Or maybe before right. then if we do another fireside chat. We may have to, the way my schedule's going. Yeah. All right. Tricky, All right. tricky actually has to work now. All oh, boohoo. All right, so Troy, uh, I guess it's just me and you. Yeah, and we might as well break the news that Mark's probably not going to make it for this recording. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. uh, It's just going to be me and you because Mark messaged us saying he got stuck at work until, uh, well, 20 minutes from now, which I know our listeners don't know what time it is. Yeah. Uh, Well, I mean, we've already almost hit an hour recording, too, so it's not as if we're going to be recording a whole lot longer anyway. Um, I did want to yeah. talk a little bit about the switch because you had mentioned when you were uh, you mentioned that you had a switch and, and you talked about not having any issues. Uh, I uh, that was um, a reference to the left Joy-Con issue, which I think everybody's kind of heard of. Uh, basically, uh, I've experienced this with my left Joy-Con. Uh, basically, if I'm playing with the switch docked, which is uh, over next to my television, I've got kind of a shelf there. Uh, basically on this shelf, there's a, I charge my Xbox controller. I have a, a charger for my PlayStation 4 controllers. Uh, I have a charger for my Wiimotes and, uh, there's actually a wireless subwoofer right next to it, which is probably where most of the interference is coming from on that. Um, but like, I'm like literally eight feet away from my switch and it's line of sight. Like I can actually look over and see the, the console and the console can look over and see my controllers. Um, but I would, uh, 
periodically have that left Joy-Con lose connectivity. So like if I'm running, you know, like play, say I'm playing Zelda and I'm running, uh, suddenly uh, if I want to stop, the controller's lost uh, sync, so I can't stop. Like Link will just keep on running. And there have been a few instances mm-hmm. where he ran into a, a Bokoblin camp because I it, the controller wouldn't, you know, recognize that I wanted to stop right there. Or there'll be times when I'm standing still and I want to move and it won't move because the, the, the controller's lost sync. Um, so I actually, uh, was able to, uh, so CNET, uh, released an article, uh, I think I read it on Tuesday, uh, that they had sent in the, the, the guy who wrote the article had sent in his, uh, Joy-Con to Nintendo and they had fixed it for him and sent it back. He had taken it apart, took pictures of it before, took pictures of it after. And apparently, uh, the fix is there's this conductive foam that they kind of stick in the bottom of the, of the, uh, controller, which basically I guess will eliminate interference, uh, with the antenna because the antenna is built into the uh, circuit board. So it kind of goes down into where the palm of your hand would be. Uh, So this uh, conductive foam basically uh, uh, prevents any interference. Um, And he said it it fixed it. So I was, you know, really uh, happy to hear this. So on Wednesday I called Nintendo, you know, and, and they went through the whole thing. They're like, okay, well, blah, 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 you know, check, check, check. And then they're like, okay, fine. Uh, we're, we're going to go ahead and approve this to, to be repaired. So they gave me a, a shipping label. Uh, it was actually a two-day uh, shipping label through UPS. So I put it in a box, put the shipping label on it, uh, put the little note inside saying what it was, um, sent it out Wednesday afternoon to the UPS. And uh, so I get confirmation Friday morning. So this is Wednesday afternoon. Friday morning, I get confirmation from Nintendo that they received the Joy-Con. And I was like, cool, you know, that, that was pretty quick. You know, it was two-day shipping, so that, that was a good turnaround, you know, whatever. And then yesterday, which was Friday because we're recording on Saturday, uh, afternoon around 4 p.m., I get uh, a message, an email saying, uh, we've we've fixed your Joy-Con and it's on its way back. And I was like, well, that that's a really quick turnaround. It was like two days. Um, come to find out that they shipped it back next day air, which was even better, except for the only problem is, is it's Saturday. So it arrived in my town uh, overnight. So it's uh, Saturday morning. It's sitting in Las Cruces. But unfortunately, in my town, uh, UPS doesn't do Saturday delivery. So I have to wait till Monday morning before they'll they'll actually deliver to my house. But I was super, super impressed with the turnaround. I'm super impressed with their customer service. They were nothing but, you know, nice and gracious and completely accommodating. So, um, Everything about, you know, this whole left Joy-Con thing, like I was grumbling, like, oh, Nintendo better make this right. If they don't make this right, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to being a part of the uh, um, class action lawsuit that comes against Nintendo for, for you know, having a, a defective Joy-Con. But uh, I am here to say right now, I haven't tried the Joy-Con yet to make sure that it's fixed. But uh, that CNET article says that this did take care of the issue. And uh just everything about Nintendo's way of handling this this issue was was top notch. I, I really do appreciate all their customer service and everything with this. Yeah, so that's yeah, cool. Yeah, uh, like I, I've I've had no issues with mine. I mean, the only issue I've had was uh, my screen protector, which uh, doesn't seem to want to go on fully. Like, yeah, there's always an issue. I got air bubbles, or I got right now I got a corner sticking up. So my little brother, so I, I had the plastic screen protector that, that uh, came with the case because I got the official Nintendo case. Um, and it had this, the, the plastic screen protector. And I put it on immediately because of all the claims of, of the uh, the dock scratching up the screen. And I didn't want to deal with that. Of course, I'm also really careful about putting in in the dock too. So like I'm, I'm less, I think, likely of getting a scratch on the screen because even with the plastic screen protector, I didn't get any sort of like rubbing or anything like that. But... Uh, my little brother who lives in Roswell, he bought a glass screen protector for his uh, uh, tempered glass screen protector. And he was telling me how great it was. Uh, and he actually, the one he bought actually came with two of them. So Jeremy Holman from the Smart Marks had to drive to Las Cruces to pick up uh, a couple packages that I brought back with me from PAX. Um, and in the, in the meantime, I had him stop by my mom's house to pick up this extra screen protector. So now I've got a tempered glass screen protector on my switch, which fits way better than the plastic one did. Like, uh, I had the same issue where around the edges, like it would kind of like bubble up. It, it didn't look great. Uh, it definitely was protecting the screen, but it just like had a little air bubbles here and there. Uh, the glass screen protector fits better. And it looks and feels so much more uh, like a premium product with a temper glass screen protector. And I think they're only like eight or nine bucks. So it's definitely worth picking up uh, to, to get one of these glass screen protectors. I think it's about that on Amazon. So you can go to provengamer.com on the right side of the screen. There's a little Amazon area. Uh, just search for switch glass screen protector. Uh, make the purchase there. 
uh, Proven Gamer gets a little bit of a kickback on that, and you get to have a nice new tempered glass screen protector for your Nintendo Switch. Tell them yeah, Troy I, sent I you. Actually, I actually just uh, I saw somebody uh, they posted um, that they decked out their Switch with the Zelda Breath yeah, yeah. of the Wild. I really want to do that, but the second I bought that and I canceled it because uh, directly after I bought that, I went online. They said, uh, do not stick anything to the, to your Switch because the material on the Switch is not uh, conducive to having things stuck to it. Yeah, apparently the Joy-Cons, like, they'll peel or, or pit because of the, uh, the adhesive. Uh, it's definitely not considered a good idea. Uh, I... Fortunately, I guess they're replaceable. Like nothing, almost nothing about the Switch is permanent, except maybe the tablet. But even like maybe down the road, they will come out with a a new tablet that really all you need to buy is the the screen part of the the console. Who knows how that would play out? Um, actually, the new uh, Joy Cons that are out on the market, if you were to buy a new Joy Con, apparently they're a new design that uh, that doesn't have this issue that I was dealing with with the left Joy Con at all. Uh, they apparently had two different manufacturers where the circuit boards were coming from. So uh, tricky the fact that you're not having issues, maybe because you have the the circuit boards from the other manufacturer that that didn't have the issue, uh, whereas mine were probably came from that other manu- the first manufacturer that did have the issue. Uh, so that's definitely something to think about as well. Yeah, it's definitely possible. All right, well, I think we're going to go ahead and wrap this up. Um, again, I just wanted to touch everybody. Right now, the loose plans for episode 300 is we're going to be doing a live on Twitch show uh, on April 9th. Time to be determined. Um, we, we Because of my work schedule and my inability to talk to these guys, I mean, this is physically the first time I've talked to Troy in two weeks. Like we, it's, it's been crazy. Um, last time I saw Troy or really spoke to him was when he was leaving with Luke to go yeah, to like literally in front of Tricky's house whenever I was on my way to get ready to go to the airport. Yeah. So, uh, life has just been hectic and you know, that's no excuse. I mean, like my, my loyalty is to the show. I mean, it is to, uh, put out a good show, but I didn't want to delay it. And like I said earlier in the show, I gave permission to the other guys to go ahead and record without me. And in not so many words, I was told to that was not going to happen because it wouldn't be the same without me. All five of us need to be together. And they're right. So I hope that the listeners and and everybody understands that, like, we we do this and we love doing this. But, I mean, we do have lives. We do have jobs. We do have other uh, obligations. Like, right now, I'm literally seven weeks away from graduation. And I'm nine weeks away from having to be out of my house and hopefully have a job uh, and a place to go uh, beyond that. So like, uh, everybody's got things going on in their lives and we, we kind of make this work around that. And, and we really enjoy getting together and talk video games and talk to each other. And, and we do have a passion for the site, but unfortunately the, it doesn't pay the bills. You know, it, it's, it's, it's not, we don't, we don't do this for the money. We do this, you know, cause we love it. And we, we like having the feedback from all the, uh, the listeners and everything like that. But, but we do have to make sure that we're taken care of and our families are taken care of first. Yeah. Um, actually, yeah. so with that being said, like I said, the, the tentative plans are April 9th, uh, time. Um, I, I'd like to do it earlier in the day, uh, preferably 5 PM, uh, cause normally we record 7 PM Eastern standard time, which for Troy, I think is what five. Yeah. Two hours off. Yeah. So, you know, the problem with doing it earlier is that it would require Troy to, you know, basically give up his Sunday afternoon, which, we try not to do, and then, you know, if we go too late, then we run into the problem of everybody's may not be able to stick around for the entire show because they got to go to bed because they have to go to work Monday morning. So it's like it's trying to find that balance. So uh, I, I'm going to talk with the guys and find out exactly when we could do it. Uh, like I said, it's going to be live on Twitch. Uh, right now, the plan is to have everybody's cameras up and running so you can actually see us while we're doing it. You can be able to make fun of me every time I get up to smoke a cigarette. Uh, normally the guys can only, uh, see that, uh, I have my camera on every time we record. Um, so that's our tentative of plans. Please don't hold us to it. Uh, you know, if something happens where we're not able to do it, of course, we'll keep you updated. Um, but I, I want to give a heartfelt, uh, thank you to everybody who has stuck around, uh, 
300 episodes is incredible, uh, and we want to make sure it's a good show. We don't want it to, you know, be half-assed, and that's one of the reasons why we're waiting to do it. We want everybody to be here. We want everybody to be refreshed, and to be honest, uh, even if uh, even if Yield was not working tonight, I don't know that I would want to do 300 because of how tired I am. I'm, you know, I've been falling asleep all day, so... We want to make sure it's it's planned right and done right, and I'm sure that's what you guys would appreciate. You know, you don't want a half-ass show. You want a the a good trophy or show, which I hope we give you every single week. Uh, but with that being said, Troy, do you want to say anything before I like officially close this out? Nah, I guess I just want to thank everybody for listening. Uh, you know, echo everything that Triggy said. You know, you guys are the reason why we do this. I mean, I guess we would probably continue to do this if you weren't listening. Uh, we would just basically be talking to ourselves, but we really appreciate having people listen. Um, uh, once again, emails are great. Uh, we have a 300 episode coming up. We do have one email from a listener that I look forward to reading at, at episode 300. But if you I want think, to send an I email, we had two, don't we? I don't, we got at least one. So anyway, trophyhors at provengamer.com. I want to see emails. We need emails for 300. Send us questions, comments, all of that stuff. I uh, really love to see it. Uh, makes me feel good knowing that people are out there listening to us. It's kind of a confirmation that we're not here talking into the void of the internet with nobody listening to us. Uh, I definitely want to thank Triggy. Uh, really apologize for not having my write-up from PAX done. Uh, just been busy, but I'm going to try and get that done tomorrow. I know uh, developers and everything like that are, are, you know, they expect to see uh, results from, you know, the ability of us to have media badges and, and, uh, hopefully at least a little bit of this, uh, conversation helped to, uh, to satisfy some of that, but I'm definitely gonna have my write-up done and hopefully in so that we can get that posted. Um, otherwise, yeah, I'm looking forward to 300 and, uh, thank everybody. All right, guys. Uh, we'll see you shortly. Uh, like I said, stay tuned to our, uh, our Facebook feed, excuse me, our Facebook feeds, our you know podcast feeds, all that. Uh, we'll give you updates. Also, one thing I want to touch: uh, we have a Discord now. Please get involved with that Discord. Uh, that's where I'm going to try to do a lot of our uh, our conversations and our talks. I mean, obviously the Facebook's still going to go, but the Discord is going to be able to show you guys when we post something, when the shows go live, and all that stuff. Get involved with that. If you need a link, uh, send me a message. However, and I will give you the link, and you could join up. Uh, I gotta get Troy in there because Troy's not in there yet. Call yeah. you out, sir. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll join. <laughs> I, d- I don't really <laughs> use Discord, but sure, I'll join. You know what? I'm gonna be. T- I'm gonna tell you something. I don't like Discord, but it's the new hotness, and it's that's that new what hotness. Using. Yeah, so, I mean, no, I, I see it being useful. I mean, people can get together and chat. Uh, I think uh, JT's already using it for, like, trying to find boosting, uh, trophy boosting and stuff like that. So, I mean, it's it's definitely got its uses. It's a good uh, yeah, way for I, the community I, to interact made, with itself. I made JT's day when he joined. He was like, oh, you got trophy boosted. Awesome. Because yeah. he was, like, one of the things. But uh, j- a shout-out to JT real quick because uh, I actually gave him temporary admin privileges inside the Discord. And he went in there and set up all the uh, voice channels. So you could literally go in there as long as you have a, uh, a microphone attached to whatever device you have Discord on. You could actually sit there and actually have a conversation with the person. So that's pretty cool, too. All right, but uh, this is dragging on a little more. This has actually gone 15 minutes past what I thought we were going to do. So I'm going to end the show. Uh, no housekeeping because, like I said, this is an informal show. Just uh, thank you again, everybody, and we'll see you guys for episode 300. The theme song is Venus by the band Even off their album Zenith. Permission granted by the band and 12 Stone Records. You can find them on Facebook by going to www.facebook.com slash evenphilippines.